Thank you, Pastor Matt. Well said. I would add that as I have followed God, one thing that I've learned about faith, it's never really about being ready. It is about responding. Amen? And that's what faith is. Because turn to your neighbor and say, hey, were you ever really ready? <laughs> and then say, for anything. No, I'm kidding. But you'll find when it comes to faith and expressing your faith, it's not so much about being ready because we never really are. It's about responding when he asks you to. Amen? So if you are on the fence about being baptized, man, I say come on and join the party. Amen? All right, all right, let's get into God's word. We're continuing in our, in our series on Matthew. How many have been enjoying this series and reading along with us? Uh, some of you are like, uh, yeah, I've read a couple chapters. No, no, we encourage you to read along with us. We have a reading plan on our website uh, it's really easy. Uh, it would be really just a couple of minutes a day. We encourage you to jump in. What we do is we uh, pick a message from the reading of that week. So this message is going to come out of your reading this week. Uh, but I kind of have a, a dilemma here. I have two key scriptures that I want to read today. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And I couldn't really choose which one I should use for today's message. So which one do you guys want? Both. That's faith. And you guys have just released the name of my message, the God of both. And since you want both, we are going to read both. But first, it's good, wasn't it? That was good, I know. But first, I don't know if you've ever heard this story about a man who would sit on his porch and there was a tree right out of his porch and he noticed that there was a caterpillar that had formed a cocoon. And so he'd watch it for a couple of days. Well, one day, he sees that it is about ready uh, to metamorphosize. I don't know if that's a word or not. But you know where the caterpillar turns into a, a, a butterfly. And so he's watching it. And he sees this butterfly start to make its way out of this cocoon. And as he's seeing that butterfly struggle, he, does, he starts to feel sorry for it. And so he decides to help. He runs into the house and he gets some small scissors and he begins to clip away at the entrance. Well, he successfully helps the butterfly make it out of the cocoon um, a lot easier uh, than it would have uh, experienced on its own. However, where he thought he helped, he actually caused harm. And so I can't explain it scientifically, even though um, I'm a scientist. What happens is the struggle getting out of the cocoon is necessary for the butterfly to properly form its wings and get its strength. Not only that, on its way out, it squeezes out some of the excess fluids that allow it to develop properly. And so what he thought was helping, he actually skipped a crucial part of the process in the development of this butterfly. How many have ever heard that story before? Right. Today, we're going to learn that in the same way God wants us to embrace even the tough things that come across in our lives, all right? But first, let's turn to Ecclesiastes, verse 11, 
Verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. Now, if you don't have something to read with, as always, you can follow along with us. I'm going to jump right in because we have a lot going today. It says, as you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Say everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Now jump over to Matthew as we continue in our series. Chapter 13, verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds, with the S, also appeared. Verse 27, the owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? You sense a little sarcasm there. Didn't you raise your kids right? It's kind of like what he's saying. You know, oh, I thought you were a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I thought, I thought you tithed. How come you're not blessed? It's kind of what this was. And he replied, uh, no, he answered, because while you are pulling the, oh, excuse me, verse 28, an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat uh, along with them. Uh, did I just read that? Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time, I, sorry, I wear glasses now, and I'm trying to get away with it every Sunday. I might just have to bite the bullet. And uh, Anyway, verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the, weed, <clears throat> excuse me, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, that's Matthew chapter 13. This chapter of Matthew contains a series of parables. You know, when you ask a preacher to preach something out of several chapters, it's hard to choose. This is a message that I have preached before, but not quite like this. So I, I'm excited about what God has given, um, and I'm hoping that it, it blesses you. And I believe that it will. But I don't know about you, but growing up, English wasn't my strongest subject, nor was it my favorite, not by far. But the one thing I appreciated about my English and language arts classes were short stories. Number one, because they were short. <laughs> but number two, they were straight to the point. And I actually enjoy stories. We enjoy stories. We, we love the backstory in a sports column. We love, you know, or on a team, a player on a team. And we love movies. Movies are stories. You know, and how many have ever gone to a movie and said, man, I just, I love the storyline of that movie. And so we love stories. And so Jesus is the great storyteller. And so he tells these series of parables or short stories. And, uh, and I love them. And so I decided we're going to do this again. But there's a different angle that I want to approach this from. So, of course, Jesus would go the extra mile when it comes to parables. Not only would he explain it, but he would also demonstrate it. Because a lot of times he would explain something, and through the explanation, people don't see the demonstration, and so they kind of hang back, and it's 
almost not effective. But then a lot of times during the demonstration, people see the actual physical blessing, and when they don't get the explanation, they think that that's the point of the, of the story, and it's not. And when we see a parable and only look at the physical, what happens is we think that the physical is the goal. And so what happens is we start to kind of uh, go into behavioral management, thinking that we could fix our behavior and that would fix our life. But how many know if that's what you're thinking, you've missed the point of the parable. And so this is why he would do this. And so Jesus would, you know, give a parable. He would demonstrate it. And then not only would he have to explain it to the crowd, but he'd have to pull the disciples aside and say, okay, by the way, he would explain it again. Here's what I meant by that. And you can imagine, thank you, Kaya. Uh, You can imagine pastors... You know, we kind of deal with the same thing because, you know, people, our job is to study the word and to know it, right? And so, uh, and that's your job too, by the way, okay? Uh, Not just because you're, you know, not a pastor doesn't mean that you uh, don't study the word. You're to study the word too. But we dive in, of course, and we dig. And so sometimes some of you uh, know the word. And so I'll say Matthew chapter 13, verse 20, and you go, oh, parable of the, you know, the wheat and the weeds, and then there's others who go, oh, Matthew, uh, is that Jesus' nickname? Right? And it's like, no, 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 no. And so we kind of go through the same thing Jesus does. And so, um, but how many of you have realized that as you are trying hard to follow Jesus, as you're, uh, you know, running hard after him, and he comes alive, and he shows up more and more, but so do the distractions that try to prevent you from running after him. And this is kind of the story of the wheat and the tares. They try to pull you away from running after God. And so Jesus, being the master teacher, always told these stories. And here he says, the kingdom of God is like. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And he would give us these examples. And here he uses the example of planting seeds in a field. And a man was planting good seeds. And while they slept, another man came and sowed weeds. And so this is where we are. And now let's go ahead and jump into the lesson. I'm coming from this angle. When it comes to understanding God's plan for your life and for my life, we must first understand how God sees the wheat And the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. And here's the way he sees it. Here's my first point He allows both. God allows both. In His wisdom, He allows both. God knows what's best, and He knows what He's doing. So let's get back to our Old Testament text. I want you to count how many times it says, You do not know. Verse 5, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Isaiah 55, we won't turn there, so I know you media people, you don't have it, so don't freak out. 
I always get comments. You sprung that verse on us and we weren't ready. We didn't have it. And well, don't worry. I'm going to paraphrase this. Isaiah 55 says, God, uh, God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And then later on, he says, my word will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose it was sent. Regardless of what we say or what we do, if God's word is alive in your heart, it's going to accomplish what he set it out to do. Now we're going to get further into this. This even happened in Jesus' ministry. As his ministry grew, so did the opposition against him. The more powerful and popular he became, the more vocal and resistance his opponents got. It's interesting, when Jesus was choosing the dream team of disciples, the power 12, he chose somebody named Judas. And Judas, as you know, spoiler alert, was the one who betrayed Jesus. And even though Jesus knew that was going to happen, he kept him on the team anyway. The good and the bad, Jesus kept both. He chose Judas because Judas is the one who turned him in and got Jesus to the cross so that he can pay the price that he came to pay. He couldn't have done that without Judas. He allows both. Notice, God doesn't say, you know, when the, oh, there's wheat. Oh, but there's weeds also. God doesn't go, okay, don't, don't, don't worry, I'll take care of that. Don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of the weeds. I'll, I'll kill the weeds. Don't worry, just, just keep sowing seed. He doesn't say that. Matter of fact, he says, just leave it. It's okay. Here's point number two. God uses both. Not only does he allow both, he uses both. Now, here's where I hope you get excited. Later in the chapter, in verse 36, it says, Jesus explained the parable. Now, let me break it down for you so we don't have to turn there. The sower of good seed was the son of man, or Jesus. The field, of course, is the world. The good seed is us. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, you good seed. Say, that's what the Bible says. And then the weeds are sons of the evil one. The sower of the weeds is the devil himself. And then the reapers are the angels. Now let's pick it up in verse 28. Let's revisit it. It says, an enemy did this. This is the master speaking. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? In the age of homeowners associations, how many of you are totally in love with your HOA? Anybody? Any t not a one? My HOA will send me letters and say, do this while their gate is broken. Yeah, come on. Come on, somebody. Holy Spirit. The rest of y'all had a chance to respond to that one. You didn't. So when you don't respond, I bring my own Holy Spirit with me. So it's cool. But the master, he replies. Get, doesn't, he doesn't, excuse me, he doesn't say get rid of the weeds like the homeowners association. We get one weed that pops up. They, again, we talked about this last week. They send a picture and an email with a 
you know, a, a hard copy in the mailbox. And I mean, they just, I mean, your text on your phone, they let you know there's a weed and it shouldn't be there. And so they want it pulled up right away. But Jesus says, no, leave it there. But there's a reason that he says, don't touch the weeds. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Why does God not want the wheat to be pulled? If the Bible, what we're reading, says that they are bad, why does he not want the weeds to be pulled? Because if it were us, we want to pull the weeds. You know, there's always something in our life that we are not proud of or that we look back on and we go, oh, gosh, that was bad, God. You know, can I just pull that one up and get rid of it? There's a story of a, a, a friend of mine um, when I was living in Guam, they, had a, they lived at, on the Air Force Base. There was a small flower garden. And um, so they had the flowers back there, and they had two little girls. And the little girls would always go out there with the mom and pick weeds. And the mom would say, you know it's a weed because it's not as pretty as the flowers are. It's just green. And so as they're just popping up, they would put, uh, pick the weeds. And then one day, she plants new flowers. A few days later, they start to sprout, and the kids come in dirty. And they say, Mama, we pulled up the weeds. And she goes, show me. They go to the flower bed, and guess what? They had pulled up all the brand new flowers that were coming up that hadn't yet bloomed. And so sometimes, as we are looking to pull up weeds, we don't understand it because we want them gone. We don't want people to see the weeds in our life. I tell you, I got weeds in my life. And I can promise you, you do too. And so we don't want people to see them, so we, we try to pick those and hide them. And in our human wisdom, we realize how, because we don't understand, it's an immaturity thing. Little kids can't tell the difference between what's a weed and, and what's wheat. And so even back then, they call tares, they call it the imposter wheat, because they look the same, but they're not. I wish I could tell you the difference, but I can't. You have to look it up yourself. But why is God okay with this? Because when it comes to your purpose, he wants you to embrace the pain also. Because the pain is instrumental in you meeting your purpose. And so the Bible says that when we pull the weeds, we might pull the wheat with it, because there's an intertwining underneath the surface. Say under the surface. See, that's where we need to look, beneath the surface. Of course, we don't know any better. And so we want to pull up the painful things and hide the painful things, the things that hurt, the things that we're, we're not proud of, the things that we want to hide. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Trust me. Leave it there. And we can't understand that. But he says, leave it there. We try to be the boss and we try to be God. No, 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 God, let me, I'll take care of this. In the movie Bruce Almighty, how many have ever seen that movie? Now, bear with me. It's been a while since I've seen this. But Jim Carrey played a character who complained about everything, even God, and complained that God wasn't doing his job right. And so God, a.k.a. Morgan Freeman, says, okay, you think you can do better. And Jim Carrey says, let's go. And he gives him the power 
to be God. And one of the first things that happens is Jim Carrey starts to hear everybody's prayers in his head and he can't control it. And then he gets overwhelmed and Morgan Freeman, as God is kind of coaching him, well, here's how you do my job. And so there's this kind of master computer when people pray and have a prayer request and that's where God would answer the prayers. And so because Jim Carrey couldn't handle all of the, you know, the overwhelming amount of people crying out to him, he just sent a blanket yes to everybody's prayers. And then, I was talking about this with uh, Robbie just this morning. He said, yeah, something else he did. He hit some kind of shortcut. Control, yes. And everybody's prayers just got answered every single time they offered it. And so it was chaotic. There was about 200 people who had won the lotto. Okay, don't lie. How many have ever prayed that you would win the lotto? Oh, God, I will build a church for you if I just win. Pastor, don't, don't do that. And so sometimes we have things in our lives that we're asking God to take away. Sometimes we're asking for things in our life that we, we ask God for. And how many know God in his goodness and his mercy will not answer your prayer sometimes? Because it would ruin you. And it would ruin me. How many are glad God is who he is? If God answered all our prayers, it would mess everything up. But instead of messing everything up, God wants us to grow up. And to learn to trust him. Now, when I used to work out, don't laugh. Because it's true. I, I used to work out at once upon a time. And lifting weights called negatives. Any weightlifters in here? Okay, we got a couple in the back. Do a little flex for me. There's something called negatives. And so negatives, when you push a weight up, that's, that's the positive force. But as the weight is coming down, it's a negative force. And the negative, say negative. The negative is just as crucial as the positive and so the way it would work is they would put too much weight, weight that you can't normally work out with, and you have a spotter, and he would help you with the weight, and he would basically drop it. Your job in working out is to stop it from crushing you and bring it down as slowly as you can, and when it gets down, he would lift it right up and drop it again. Those are called negatives. Ah, and he would lift it and then drop it. And the negatives, there's something in this message, guys. The negatives, there is power. And there's purpose in it. We can't avoid it. We shouldn't avoid it. And by the end of your set, your arms are like noodles. Your chest is crying out in pain. But on the other side, you've gotten stronger. And you've gotten better. Number one, the pain is temporary. Number two... Again, you get bigger, better, stronger. I know it's uncomfortable for a short time, but the results last a long time. God uses both. Peter learned this when he positively stepped out of the boat. Remember that? They thought it was a ghost. When they realized it was Jesus, Jesus, is that you? Call to me. Let me come out. Jesus says, come on. And Peter goes. And he starts to walk, but then what happens? He starts to sink. Not good, is it? But he starts to sink. It was negative. And he realized this, this, 
this theory of negativity as he was sinking and then he felt the grip of Jesus grab him and pull him up. This is what we're talking about here. And finally, my last point. Not only will God allow, not only will God use the good and the bad, but he will settle both the good and the bad. He'll sort it out. This is his business. This is beyond our pay grade. Verse 30 says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers to gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Again, for us, we want to do the sifting. We want the weeds out. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a natural reaction. But if it, were left to up, if it were left up to us, we would do all the sorting for God because we, I don't know, think we can do better or maybe because in our shame or in our pride, we, we don't want those things to be seen. And so we want it out as fast as possible. But our job is to keep sowing and to stop sorting, Julia. <laughs> I love doing stuff like that. Our job is to keep sowing and stop sorting. Stop trying to remove the bad moments in your life. Stop removing the things you're ashamed of. Stop trying to remove the things that you think make you weak. And I'm sure many of you are like me. Some of my greatest accomplishments would never have happened without my greatest failures. And it's the same thing. God can use each one of those. Even your worst one, when you think about what happened to me, when you think about what I did, when you think about God can use every single one. Yes, he can because he is sovereign. And because God holds everything in his hands, he can redeem all of them. We see this with Joseph. Old Testament Joseph, Joseph that had the ugly coat of many colors, Joseph whose coat represented the favor of his father, Joseph who that coat got him beat up, Joseph who that coat got him thrown into a pit, say no good. All those things were no good, but God in his goodness even though Joseph was sold into slavery, it shouldn't surprise us that Joseph was sold and picked up by an Ishmaelite caravan. Now, there's some backstory to this. Ishmael was a person that shouldn't have happened. If you don't know the story, Ishmael was the illegitimate son of Abraham, he was a mistake. He was the son of Abraham that he had with his servant, not his wife. And Ishmael was the son that Abraham got by doing it his own way. And how many know we do things our own way sometimes and we create Ishmael's? And then he had another son named Isaac. 
that he had doing it God's way. So you have Ishmael and you have Isaac. And how many know God can use both? If I were to ask you, guess which son he used? The answer is both. You mean God can use my mistakes? Absolutely. Matter of fact, sometimes he prefers it that way. It's his field. It's his wheat. It's his job. So David has an affair with Bathsheba. We're talking about another character. I can go on and on and on with biblical characters who had weeds in their life. And David has an affair with Bathsheba. Their son had died, but right after that son died, they had another son, and his name was Solomon. The next son he had, after his greatest mistake, became the wisdom of all the world, the wisest man in the world, right after his biggest mistake. Can you imagine that? Only God can write a story like that. God uses both. So back to Joseph as we close. Joseph is picked up by an Ishmaelite caravan. That wasn't good. Pharaoh's wife traps him and accuses him of sexual assault. That's not good. He's put in jail. That's not good. And then he meets someone who would get him to meet face-to-face with Pharaoh. Huh, things are getting a little bit better because what happened was Pharaoh started having these dreams and nobody can interpret them. But Joseph said, I had the interpretation. And he tells Pharaoh that there's going to be several years of famine in the land. And so Pharaoh sees that he has the favor of God on him. And he even promotes him. The famine is not good. But how many know God used the famine for a position of favor for Joseph and for God's people? Then Joseph comes face to face with the same brothers who sell him, who sold him into slavery. And Joseph has this revelation that everything that happened in his life was not good. But remember, it's God who's going to settle between the good and bad because it all lays in his hands. So God isn't just using the stuff that feels good. He's not just using the stuff that we are thankful for. He's using both. Joseph, just like Paul. If you remember Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament had, he referred to it as a thorn in his side. And theologians and historians, they they go back and forth about what this could be. They don't know if it was like a debilitating sickness or a terminal sickness. They don't know if it was just an injury They don't know if it was something else. But Paul cried out to God, God, remove this thorn from me. And God never, ever removed it. Because it had a part to play in his purpose. And so when Joseph said, back to Joseph, I know I'm going back and forth. But when he said what they meant for evil, God uses for good. And then... In Genesis 48, again, media team, you don't have this. I'm just going to paraphrase this. Joseph brings his two sons to his father, Jacob. So here's Joseph who his own brothers 
ditch him. They don't care if he's dead. They even put blood on the, on the coat to make it look like he was dead to, so that he'd be forgotten forever. And so he goes through all these hardships, all these tough times, and then he finds himself as the second command over a nation. And then lo and behold, he has two kids as he's reuniting with his family. He wants to get the blessing of his father, Jacob. Another character in the Bible, that's a whole nother Sunday sermon. Jacob was a character. Jacob meant deceiver. That was the one name, but then God changed his name to Israel. So which one was he? He was both. He was both. How many have a both? And so what happens is Joseph brings his two sons. One is Manasseh. He's the oldest. Manasseh um, means, uh, I think it's fruitful. Ephraim means, um, I will forget. Anyway, it's one of those. Maybe it's interchangeable. And so he brings them both on one side. And so he's facing his father. And so the oldest should have been on the right side of J- J- or Israel, whichever one he was. <laughs> and so in, in Jewish culture, we learned this last week, the right hand is the hand of blessing. And so Jacob is old and he can't really see very well. And so he lays his hands on his grandkids uh, to give the blessing. But what happens is he crosses his arms. He does something strange. And so the right hand went to Ephraim instead of Manasseh. And so the Bible says, if you were to read the account, it says that Joseph was upset. It says he was displeased. And so he, uh, he even tries to move his dad's hand. And he says, you know, no, Pops, this is Manasseh. This is the one you're going to bless. And here's what Jacob says, or Israel. Ah. He says, no, 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 my son. No, Joseph. Today, I'm going to bless both and how many know that Manasseh was the oldest he had the right to be blessed and Ephraim didn't but how many are grateful that God doesn't give us what we deserve he gives us so much more Joseph takes his sons one says I'll forget and the other one is fruitful that's the story of God and how amazing he is that where we think we have failed so many times where we think we've blown it so many times or something unfortunate happened to us and it wasn't even our fault and God says I can still make you fruitful because I'm in control of this thing If you will embrace both, say both. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. Just bow your heads. I'm going to read one verse to you, and then I want to pray. Matthew 22, 36 through 40 says, It was a question presented to Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, but there's a second. And it's just like it. 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When you visualize a picture of the cross, you have two beams. One is vertical and the other is horizontal. One is your connection to God, your relationship with God. That needs to be intact. But how many know you need both? And then there's another one that's horizontal. I know it looks like I'm doing karate. I'm not. It's horizontal. And that represents our relationship with each other. And how many know you need both? And it glorifies God when we're not just connected to him, but we're connected with each other. It's not one or the other. It's both. So I praise God when I feel him. I praise God when I don't. I thank God when I feel him or when he does something. I thank God when he does nothing. I praise him when he's close. I praise him when he feels distant. I praise him when he answers my prayers. I praise him when he doesn't. And I'll admit, sometimes it's easier said than done. And one day everything's going to make sense. Everything will be harmonious. Everything will work the way God designed it to. But in the meantime, God calls us to keep sowing, to keep doing good, to embrace all the good things that he does and not to be afraid of the bad things that happens to us because the devil's not in charge of what happens in your life. Father, I thank you for your people today. And Lord, I ask you, Lord, to encourage us. Lord, as we look back at this thing called life, and Lord, we look at sometimes we get good cards and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get a good hand and sometimes we don't. And Lord, help us to realize that it's even the painful things and the hurtful things and the unfortunate things that happen to us that you're going to use to help move the kingdom forward. That's the way this parable started. The kingdom of God is like a field where there were where there was wheat and then there was weeds. Lord, help us to praise you and love you even in the presence of weeds. If you're here today, I don't know if you've ever heard a message like this, if you've ever been to a church like this, Maybe you're here in support of somebody who's going to take the plunge, as we call it, in baptism. But if you're here today and maybe something's touched your heart, something out of God's word has touched your heart, and you want to get right with God, and I encourage you, don't leave here without doing that. When nobody, please, nobody looking around. But if that's you, we're going to do this real quick, and we're going to pray together. If that's you and you want to get right with God, would you raise your hand? God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. My brother, God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you, sister. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Let's all repeat after me. Can everybody, even those of you who know Jesus, just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, you're amazing. You're wonderful because of what you've done. I admit that I'm the wrong one, and you're right. I ask you to forgive me. 
I believe that you died for me and that you spilled your blood for me and that your blood can cleanse me from all my sin. Now I ask you, not just to come into my life, but to change my life. Give me the grace to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray.